Good morning. Happy Sunday. Welcome to week seven of the church in quarantine. Uh, as announced, we, we, we're gathering again virtually today. Be on the lookout this week uh, for information about how we're going to handle next week. Okay, I, I know we're uh, still in a situation that, that's constantly changing, but we, we do want to begin to look at ways uh, that we can uh, responsibly uh, gather together again physically uh, here at the church. So, so be on the lookout for that. Uh, know and understand that it probably won't look uh, normal to us at first, right? It's going to look a little bit different. Uh, and everything that we're doing, just like when we began this little bit of, of our journey going online and things like that, it, it wasn't because somebody told us that we had to, right? We made that choice uh, out of love and compassion uh, for those in our community. And, and we're going to continue to operate with those motives as we consider ways that we're able to gather together again uh, in, in ways that will be responsible and caring and compassionate uh, to our community. And we also want to keep in mind and remember that, that this virus is not, by any stretch of the imagination, the only darkness out there in our world and in our, in our community uh, today. Uh, not, not the only darkness out there right now. And all the more reason uh, for the church to be prepared to shine its light, uh, the light of the kingdom uh, that we walk in, uh, to the community, and that should always be done in, in love and in compassion and, and in concern and, and understand that it's not going to look the same for everyone, right? There, there are multiple churches in different situations that are going to have to make different decisions, and we understand that, and, and, and we're not going to play a comparison game there. Uh, we're going to love and encourage each other as, as we proceed. Don't forget, next Sunday is still Mother's Day. So I know right now we live in a time where the calendar seems real fluid. We don't know what day of the week it is, but take this as your forewarning children. Mother's Day is next week, and, and obviously it may not look like uh, the Mother's Days that we're used to, uh, that, that we've grown accustomed to, but I guarantee you that, that we'll still be able to uh, honor uh, the moms that have gone along ahead of us, uh, celebrate the ones that, that are still here, with us and, and then hopefully even encourage uh, the, the next group that is coming up uh, that, that'll wear that, uh, wear that badge and fill that role uh, for, for some kingdom kiddos, right? Uh, we are going to sing together this morning. Andrew's going to come and, and, and lead us in singing. I want you to remember what it says in Colossians 3 in verses 16 and 17. It says, let the message of Christ Dwell in you richly. Let all its richness fill your life. Teach and counsel each other with the wisdom that he gives. Sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs to God with thankful hearts. And whatever you do and whatever you say, do it as a representative of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks through him to God the Father. Amen. Amen. So let's sing together this morning, Andrew. I sing praises to your name. 
praises to your name the name that's so much higher than all names all honor to your name all honor to your name the name that's so much greater than all names be lifted Be lifted higher Be lifted up Be lifted higher I sing praises to your name Praises to your name name that's so much higher than all names and all honor to your name all honor to your name the name that's so much greater Be lifted up Be lifted higher 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 Your name is life Your name is hope inside me Hope inside me your name is love, a love that always finds me, always finds me. Your name is life, your name is hope inside me, hope inside me. Your name is love, a love that always finds me always finds me be lifted up be lifted higher be lifted up be lifted higher
lifted up Be lifted higher Be lifted up Be lifted higher All right. Thank you, Andrew. That's what we're here for to lift him up. Uh, again, even though it's looked a little bit different uh, for the last several weeks, uh, he's still the same. Amen. If, if you have your Bible with you, and I pray you do, go ahead and open that to the book of Luke, chapter 5. We're going to continue our series there in Luke in verse 27. Remember where we are here at the beginning of Luke's gospel is, is the start of Jesus' earthly uh, ministry. He's doing what he said he would do. He's going about preaching the good news of the kingdom and demonstrating the power and authority that he has as the son of God, the Messiah, from heaven, put in flesh like us, and he's going about declaring the good news of the kingdom. Uh, we, we saw it when he was in the boat with Simon, the avalanche of fish. We saw it when he healed the leper. We saw it when he... Uh, healed and forgave the paralyzed man, which we talked about on Wednesday night. And today we're going to be uh, in Luke 5 and verse 27. I'm going to read there and then we'll pray over our time together. So there in Luke 5, starting in verse 27, it says, Later, as Jesus left the town, he saw a tax collector named Levi sitting at his tax collector's booth. Follow me and be my disciple, Jesus said to him. So Levi got up, left everything, and followed him. Later, Levi held a banquet in his home with Jesus as the guest of honor. Many of Levi's fellow tax collectors and other guests also ate with them. But the Pharisees and their, and their teachers of religious law complained bitterly to Jesus' disciples, saying, Why do you eat and drink with such scum? Jesus answered them, healthy people don't need a doctor. Sick people do. I have come to call not only those who think they are righteous, but those who know they are sinners and need to repent. Amen. Let's pray over the word as we receive it this morning. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that it is divine revelation that we can hold in our hand. It's truth that we can touch. And I thank you today that you will open our eyes to the wonders of it, you will use it to encourage and counsel our hearts, uh, to teach us more about Jesus and our life in Him. And we thank you for this in His name. Amen. So again, we have here Jesus leaving the town. He's leaving the town uh, apparently where He had healed the paralyzed man, where He had healed uh, the leper. He's on His way out of town and He walks by Levi, the tax collector's booth. And he calls out to him and says, follow me and be my disciple. And I want us to start with that phrase right there and have a good understanding of what it means. And I, I was thinking on, Lord, what is the best way to, to describe this term, this term, follow me, uh, be my disciple? It means so much more than, oh, you're looking for the gas station. Well, just get in behind me. I'll take you right there. Just, just follow me. It, it means so much more than that, even though it's similar. And while I was thinking on it, I remembered uh, when we were in Honduras, 
uh, here a few years ago. We went on a mission trip uh, there during the summer and spent some time there with Pastor Alvin Anderson and uh, Manos Extendidas, which is Extended Hands Ministry. And we, we stayed, we, we lived there with uh, the ministry for a week and we went about with them uh, doing the things that they did. We, we were helping and, and supporting them. And one of the places we got to go to uh, was a, a juvenile detention prison there in Honduras. So young men under the age of 18 who had been sent to prison for various crimes, some of them very, very serious and filled with many gang members. It's a huge issue there uh, in Honduras because of the poverty. There, there are very few ways to make a consistent, honest living. And so corruption runs rampant and takes over and, and, and violence tends to move the needle. And so we were going into an area uh, where one of the uh, biggest, strongest, most powerful gangs where, where their members were kept in the prison and as we understood it, an area that they technically uh, controlled within the prison. And with us, as we were going, with the ministry team and with us, was a young man who had been in that same prison. He had been a member of that same gang. He had gone to prison for extortion. And while he was in prison, somebody came to the prison, just like we had gone that day, and preached the gospel, and he believed on Jesus Christ. And of course, his new mindset as a Christian didn't align very well with the mission of the gang. But something very interesting in Honduras, even though the, these gang members are, are, are so uh, violent, th there are two ways that, that you can leave the gang. One is to die, and the other one is to follow Christ. Now, it's not without penalty or without pain or without great cost, but if you declare that you're going to follow Jesus Christ, they will actually let you out of your obligation, again, with pain and price along with it, but they'll let you out of your obligation to the gang. But they will watch you and they'll monitor you to make sure that you're not what they call in, in Spanish, it translates into in English playing with God and playing with the gangs to make sure that you're not just saying, I'm going to follow Jesus so you can go about and do your own thing. And if they find you not following Jesus, they will kill you. So we're on our way into this area of the prison. And before we get there, he looks at me. We had talked some, even though we didn't speak the same language. He looks at me and kind of laughs and says something in Spanish. And I look at the translator and say, what did he say? And then the translator says, he said, welcome to prison. Oh, okay. So we walk in and they actually have lookouts, gang members that are there at, as lookouts at the entry to their section, which is a huge courtyard. And so, so they can let uh, the other members know who's coming in and what their intention is and uh, who all is with them, which is an intimidating scenario, right? And one of the lookouts there, one of the gang members spoke to the young man who was with us. He, he, he spoke something to him in Spanish. The young man responded. Uh, and then the gang member that was sitting there uh, said something I could tell sarcastically. I could hear it in the tone of his voice, even though I couldn't understand what he was saying. And then the young man who was with us did this with his hands and responded back and smiled and then walked away. And I asked as we proceeded on what the conversation had been between the two. And when we walked in, 
the, the gang member that was sitting there said to the young man that, that used to be among his numbers, said, oh, hello, friend, are you still walking with the Lord? Are you still following him? And he said, of course, I'm going to follow him for the rest of my life. And the gang member said, many others before you have said that same thing, and they have not. And then that's when he held up his hands and he said, look at these fingerprints. They belong only to me. No one else is me. And I'm going to follow Christ for the rest of my life. And, and so when we hear Jesus say to Levi, follow me, it's so much more than just, hey, walk this way. It's an invitation to leave behind your previous life and everything that, that you sought after and that you hungered for and to walk a new life, to leave the old life behind and begin to follow him in the new life, the beginning of the new. And so you see the picture there that, that Jesus was calling them. It, it was traditional for a Jewish rabbi or a teacher to, to call young men to follow him, to become his students, he, him being their teacher, so that they could learn what he is learning. He could pass down to them the, the wisdom and the knowledge that he had. And the young men that were generally chosen for that were the ones that excelled in school. They were the best and the brightest. And, and if they weren't selected to follow a rabbi, they uh, went back into the community and, and learned a trade from their father or from another man in their family. You think about the fishermen that he called earlier in Luke chapter 5. They, they wouldn't have been selected in school to follow a rabbi. And so they went back home and learned the trade of their father so that they could be members of the community and that they could support their family. And again, this was usually done in adolescence. And Jesus is calling these full-grown uh, men, again, you remember the fishermen, um, to follow him. He says, follow me, be my disciple, learn from me. Live out my teaching, what I'm going to teach you, and then turn and teach it to others. And now it was strange for him to call fishermen. That was strange. That was abnormal. It would have been absurd for him to call the tax collector to follow him. The tax collectors at that time were uh, members of the nation of Israel, but they were employed by the Romans, the occupying oppressing force, the enemy who was taking from God's people, who, who, who was oppressing them and holding them down and treating them unfairly and unlawfully and wrongly all, often. And these tax collectors worked with them and also took money from their brothers, their countrymen, and gave it to the enemy. And in that, in that act and exercise, they were able to live in a way that was lavish and prosperous while they were basically informing on and turning the, their, their countrymen over to the Romans and turning their money over to the Romans. And of course, it was a position that was ripe with corruption. You can imagine how easy it would have been for them to say, well, instead of 5%, you owe 7.5% or you owe 10% and keep the difference themselves because the Romans didn't care about the Israelites. The, the Romans didn't care about them or if injustice was done to them. And so 
this group of people, these tax collectors, had a horrible repu reputation among their own countrymen. To say that they were disliked would be kind. It was more like they were hated and despised. And then Jesus walks by the tax collector's booth and says to Levi, also known as, as Matthew, says to Levi, follow me and be my disciple. So when, when you hear that, you have, to, you have to picture and imagine that even the men with Jesus probably would have flinched because this is a tax collector. But you see Levi's response. Levi's response to, to Jesus' call to follow him there in verse 28 says, So he, Levi got up, left everything, and followed him, followed Jesus. Interesting parallel there. Got up, left everything, followed. You can see it in the fishermen where they left everything. They left the catch and followed Jesus. You, you can see it in what Jesus said to the paralyzed man when he says, get up, pick up your stuff and, and, and go. The three parts there to, to move. And of course, that man paralyzed physically. Levi, at least by his occupation, we don't know his heart, but at least by his occupation, paralyzed morally, not able to do the right thing, just like the man was not able to walk. And yet Jesus said, follow me, be my disciple or leave a life behind for a new life ahead. Follow my teaching. Hear this message. And what was his message? What was his teaching? We know that it was the good news of the kingdom, that Jesus went about teaching the good news of the kingdom everywhere that he went. And him calling Levi the tax collector is another shining example that this good news of the kingdom wasn't reserved just for the elites, just for the best of the best or the brightest of the bright. This was a gospel. This was a good news that would heal the wounds of all men, even those who were outcasts, even those who were despised. And we see that it's reinforced for us in what happens next. Let's read it in verse 29. We'll read 29 through 31. It says, Later, a time after that, Levi held a banquet in his home with Jesus as the guest of honor. Many of Levi's fellow tax collectors and other guests also ate with them. But the Pharisees and their teachers of religious law complained bitterly to Jesus' disciples, saying, Why do you eat and drink with such scum? And Jesus answered them, Healthy people don't need a doctor. Sick people do. I've come to call not those who think they are righteous, but those who know they are sinners and need to repent. So the Pharisees show up while Levi is having this banquet with Jesus as the guest of honor, he's a tax collector. Most of the people he knows apparently are tax collectors and also the people that would hang out with tax collectors. So not uh, your, your, your who's who of what would be seen as your most righteous and upstanding citizens of the community, right? And the Pharisees show up. It's not like they just show up out of nowhere. It's weird for us to think that, that they would, you know, we picture like I'm busting in the door. But remember, everything was open air. The windows were open. The doors often open. And so people, especially if Jesus was teaching, they may have had their head in the window. They may have been standing outside eavesdropping because we know they were interested in what Jesus was doing because he was gathering such 
a crowd and it's possible based on their traditions at that point that you could invite people to dinner and other people attend as well, but that they would only sit around the outside against the wall to, to, to be there for the conversation, even though they weren't invited to partake in the table. So the Pharisees are, are, are there and then they complain to Jesus's disciples and they're very bitter and they're complaining. And I looked at that and I wonder, I've heard this story so many times and I wanted to not just look on it with the, those old eyes, but, but to see it clearly. And I was like, why are they so bitter about Jesus eating with these people? Why are they so negative? And I realized it's because they had no power or ability to help these people at all. That everything that the Pharisees valued, everything that they hung worth on was of no use to helping change the lives of these men and women who were at the table of Levi, the, the, the former tax collector. In their minds, these people were a lost cause. What, what else could we do for them? Everything that we hang our hat on is things that we have done, uh, observing the rules of the law and not breaking them. And they've broken many and or all of them. How could we ever help them? So I don't know if that was a source of the bitterness, but you would think it would have to factor in somewhere that they had no hope in themselves, the Pharisees, of helping these people and saw them as lost causes. The, the Pharisees were more concerned with the behavior of others comparing it to their own behavior because that's all they could hope to do with the law was to modify behavior, to make people afraid and to modify behavior based on that. And we know that that is no life at all. And you see that even though according to them, they were without blame, which we know that they weren't, but according to them, they were. There was still bitterness just, just flowing out of their heart and out of their mouth. Because when you try to measure yourself against others, especially when you compare yourself to someone who's not been what you've been and not done what you've done, then a self-righteousness can, can, can swell up from that, that, that makes you think you're better than you actually are. And so you, you see that in their question, asking the disciples, why are you eating and drinking with these people? Why are you eating and drinking with these people? Or, or maybe why are you wasting your time with them? They are lost forever in their disobedience. Now, the, the Pharisees didn't ask Jesus the question. They asked the disciples the question. They didn't ask Jesus, but Jesus is the one that answered them. And, and we'll conclude going through his response to them. It's there in verse 31. Jesus answered and said, healthy people don't need a doctor. Sick people do. Right. Don't you just love hearing Jesus talk? The way he responds is always perfect. It's always perfect. I love to hear what he's saying, especially in these back and forths, because what the first thing he points out is that actually their, their question is pretty silly. It's a pretty silly question to ask. It's just like asking a doctor, why are you hanging out with all these sick people? Why are you hanging out with all these people that are sick? Jesus's answer showed that it's because they are sick and know they are sick that they've come to me because I am the one with the cure. 
I came as one with authority, with ability, with compassion. I came with a cure and sick people need the cure. And this out of this passage is, is, is where we get the, the name for Jesus, the, the great physician. What, what we've heard him called and referred to as the great physician. This is where it comes from. He said, sick people need a doctor. Healthy people don't need a doctor. Remember when we talked about Simon, Jesus was in the boat with him. And when he was faced with Jesus, he was overwhelmed by his uh, imperfections, by his lack of uh, reason to be in front of Jesus. And what we said then is that Jesus doesn't expect to find you perfect. When the great physician left heaven and came to earth, God incarnate, he didn't expect to find you healthy. He expected to find you sick. He knew that you would be. He knew that we would be, and that is why he came. That's what he says right here. Healthy people don't need a doctor. Sick people do. And I have come to call not those that think they are righteous, but those who know they are sinners in need to repent. And, and he's pointing out you need someone who has the cure to what is ailing you. But we don't want that, right? We want to control our own life. We want to think that, that we can manage things correctly. But if we think about it in this example of the medical field, it, it just sounds silly. It, it's just as silly as you walking into a hospital and grabbing a surgeon by the shoulder and saying, take out my appendix. First, he's going to say, what, what are you doing here? Please let go of my shoulder, right? But after that, he's going to say, well, okay, if you're having issues, you need to see your doctor. You need to have test runs. You need to have, no, 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 no. I don't need any of that. I know what's wrong with me. I just need you to take out my appendix. He's never going to do that. He's going to ask for who in authority said this was the cure that you needed. You can't walk into the pharmacy and ask, give me this uh, prescription drug, please, and thank you. And they'll say, okay, absolutely. Who said you can have this? Where, who with authority has given you access to this? Well, I don't need that. I, I know what I need. I'm pretty smart. I think I need that. I think it'll make me better. They're never going to give it to you, right? Because you have to be under the authority of one who, who has the knowledge to apply that cure to you. And, and if we lived in a perfect world, they would apply it correctly and they would apply it Perfectly, which is where the example falls apart because we don't live in a perfect world, but we do have a perfect savior. We do have the great physician. And, and so when you see, when we try to self-medicate and do things on our own, it's so silly when we have access to one who knows much better than we do what will make us well and also has access to it and gives it Freely, And yet we go about trying to do it just like it, just like if we had a stomachache and said, I know what I'll do. I'll take out my own appendix. That sounds horrific. But we do it in our own life all the time where we try to self-diagnose what's wrong with us and self-medicate what's wrong with us and come up with a cure on our own when the physician is working and he's available and he's there with authority and with compassion. And so. Again, in verse 32, as we wrap up, because the Pharisees said, why, why do you eat and, and drink with such scum? And Jesus said, healthy people don't need a doctor. Sick people do. Verse 32, I have come to call 
not those who think they are righteous, but those who know they are sinners and need to repent. See, the Pharisees were just as sick as the tax collectors, but they thought they had it handled, right? And what Jesus is saying is the people that know they are sick are here at the table. They know they have need. They know they're not enough. They know that they are weak in themselves. They know they've made poor and terrible and awful decisions and there's regret there and there's an ask on their tongue for mercy. These people at the table know that they're sick. And he says, I'm calling them to repentance, to change the way that they think, to change the way that they think and to move into a kingdom mindset. The Pharisees thought that they were fine without Jesus. They thought they were fine without Jesus. It's just as wrong and as dangerous as thinking you, you're right without a medical professional, that you can do it on your own, except even more because we're talking about the one who made you. Not just your flesh and bone, but your soul and your spirit crafted it and made it and put it on the inside of you. Who knows you better than him, right? But the Pharisees thought they were fine without him, that they don't need him. Again, just as foolish as, as if you were seriously ill with a chronic condition and you chose to ignore it. It's very, very dangerous. Never, 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 never think that you are okay without him. If you ever begin to think that you are wrong, number one, and you are about to fall on your face, number two, right? Many of us can, can, can testify and confirm that. Never, 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 never think that you're okay without him. The people at the table that night knew that they weren't okay without him, and that's why they came. He knew that we were sick when he came, and he came to get us well, amen? He called out to this man, this young man, to Levi the tax collector and said, follow me, be my disciple. And think about the young man in Honduras who left a life behind to take up a new life. Again, not without peril, not without price, not without threat on his life, but said, I'm going to walk in newness of life in Christ Jesus. And Jesus called the tax collector in Scripture, how often do we hear it referred to as tax collectors and sinners? It, it, they were considered as low as you could get and still be of the house of Israel. And he called a tax collector, letting us know that the gospel is here to heal the wounds of all men and not just the best, the brightest or the most well Received, And then we saw that that same tax collector, when he met Jesus, the first thing that we have recorded that he did was he gathered together an assembly of his friends. And he said, this has changed my life. I've been listening to his teaching. It's already began to change my life. I want you to be exposed to this man as well. At this feast of outcasts, as the Pharisees probably would have thought it. So he had already brought others with him. He's already evangelizing, already sharing the good news of the kingdom and bringing them to the great physician, the only one that can make us well. He said, I didn't come to call those who think they are righteous. I came to those who know they are sinners and call for them to repent and follow me. 
Amen. And that requires in us a humility to look at ourselves and look at our situation and say, I am not okay on my own. I'm not sufficient on my own. I'm not able on my own. I am not good on my own. And there's humility that comes from that. And then there's faith to see Christ as able to help able to heal, able to set free. Faith is what has to see that just like the leper when he looked to Jesus and said, I believe that you can heal me. So humility comes first, faith comes next, and then we access God's grace. When we hear Christ, just like he said to the leper, I'm willing, just like when he said to Matthew, the tax collector, to Levi, follow me, be my disciple. Amen. I hope that encourages you today. I want to pray with us as we get ready to go, uh, and then we're going to sing together. All right, let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you that uh, you are here with us. God, even over the awkwardness of um, uh, uh, a live video that, that's going out on Facebook where we're not uh, together in the same room, God, we're together in you. And Lord, even those that aren't watching this at the same time, I thank you that uh, you're the same yesterday, today, and forever. And I thank you that we can receive from your word today encouragement of the promise and the hope that we have in Christ, that he came for those who are sick. He came for those that aren't well and that they know it. And he came that in him they might be made well and they might be made whole. So we call out on the same promise uh, that, that healed the leper, that raised up the paralytic on his own two feet, and God brought a, a room full of tax collectors and sinners to the great physician. God, we, we, we call on that today, and we, we thank you. Humbly, we stand before you with eyes of faith, looking at you, knowing that you're enough, and we're glad recipients of your grace today. Lord, I pray that you protect your people, that you keep them safe. As we go about our daily business, I think that our eyes uh, won't be veiled by fear and concern, God, but we'll be able to see through eyes of faith and wisdom that you've given us the answers that we need in this life and that you encourage our hearts with that. I think that you help us to encourage others and shine a light in all the areas that we go. Lord, I, we, we pray that our nation will turn to you, honor you, Lord God, and worship you as God and God alone. And Lord, we pray that you, you relieve us from this virus. Those that are sick, I thank you that they'll recover. And those who are under threat of death, I thank you that they'll be relieved. And we ask that in the name of Jesus. And Lord, as our uh, leaders uh, make decisions this, this next week across the state of Arkansas, other states across the country, I thank you that you give them wisdom, wisdom that comes from you to make good and right decisions that are going to glorify you. And we ask the same thing in our own lives. We thank you today for your church. We thank you for the body of believers here uh, at Believers Church. And God, I thank you for all the great things that you have ahead for us. And most of all, that you'll be there with us. We love you. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Let's sing together. All to Jesus I surrender all, to Him I freely give. I will ever love and trust Him in His presence daily live. I surrender all. I surrender 
So glad uh, that you joined together with us today. Again, be on the lookout this week uh, for announcements as far as how we're going to handle next week and going forward. Uh, again, I know it's going to look a little bit different, uh, but we're making progress. Hang in there. Be strong and of good courage. Don't be afraid. Neither be dismayed for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Amen. Love you guys. See you soon. <laughs>